Hello and welcome to the National Trust podcast. I'm Sean Douglas, podcast producer at the National Trust. Now, due to lockdown and restrictions on our movement, you've probably noticed in recent episodes we've swapped the great outdoors and historic houses for the more confined surroundings of our podcast studio. However, in this episode, just like many around the country, we're taking our first tentative steps into the outside world. Today, we're off to the Isle of Wight to explore how its human and non-human residents have reacted to the great anthropause. Being back on public transport takes a little bit of getting used to. As I walk the decks of this Isle of Wight band ferry, I catch a glimpse of myself in the window. And with my hood up and large black face mask, I bear an uncanny resemblance to some kind of comic book superhero. Today, I'm hoping to shed some light on a strange lockdown phenomenon. During this period of reduced human activity, there have been reports of birds singing louder, increased sightings of rare species and animals venturing into places that were once human-only domains. Now, it's easy to assume that this has been wildlife's reaction to the lockdown. But could there be something else going on? So, with its wide variety of habitats and urban areas packed into a pint-sized location, the Isle of Wight seemed like the perfect place to understand just what's been going on in the Great Anthropause. And if you're not quite sure what the Great Anthropause is, here's Professor Christian Rutz of the University of St Andrews, Scotland. One thing that I've noticed over the past few weeks is the term we introduced, anthropause. So that's anthro, the Greek for human, and pause, well, it just means stop. It seems to be a really helpful shorthand which people started using. I think others like it because it avoids COVID-19 lockdown jargon, which I think everybody's tired of. Christian's part of a group called the International Biologging Society, who coined the term in a recent research paper. The International Biologging Society brings together researchers from around the world who use state-of-the-art animal tracking approaches to find out where they go and what they do. And we realized that during COVID-19 lockdown, there was an opportunity to, to use these approaches to understand how animals respond to decreased levels of human activity. This is a research opportunity that has come about by the most tragic circumstances, but we feel as a research community that it is one we can't afford to miss. Christian's research is in its infancy and there's currently not the data needed to make any solid assumptions about the benefits to non-human species from the great anthropause. But anecdotally, across the world and at National Trust properties, there have been many accounts of unusual animal behaviour. Morning. Are you Sean? I am indeed. Hi, I'm Fiona. Lovely to meet you, Fiona. Nice to meet I'm you. Chuck. Hiya, good to see you. Why did you... Back on the Isle of Wight, I met up with Fiona and Chuck. I'm going to get you to put some microphones on. Okay. So we donned our microphones and made our way from the blazing sun into the inviting shade of the forest to see if we could witness the effects of the anthropause in action. Do you want to take us for a walk through? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
As soon as we enter the forest, it feels as if we've stepped into the portal of a parallel universe. The dry heat has been replaced by this cool, musty air, and the sound of civilization has given way to the sound of shimmering leaves and birdsong. And after a few minutes of walking, we arrive at this incredible space. Here we are entering the beech grove. A clearing in the forest of towering trees and this beautiful light. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I have heard this section described as a cathedral and it does feel like yes. yeah. the light's coming through the stained glass. You can imagine having a wedding ceremony here. It must be quite ethereal, really. As wonderful as this may be for us, our presence seems to be disturbing the residents of the forest. Oh. Oh, a buzzard. He must have just heard us coming up and I just saw him fly down through the, the chestnut. I'm not sure where you can pick up that. There was an alarm call. I think it was a woodpecker. It seemed like the forest's inhabitants were giving us a wide berth. But as we got deeper into the forest, there was evidence that they may be closer than we thought. Dormice, they make their nests out of honeysuckle. Lots of holly around here, which is good for bats. Quite a few bat species are here. Insects and invertebrates. And suddenly these shards of light filter through the canopy, illuminating a haze hovering above the bracken that was teeming with life. And there's a little meadow brown butterfly there, just yeah. going up. And then... Um, on that dead tree. Great spotted woodpecker. Can you get that, Sean? I can, yeah. And then there's another one flown onto the other dead tree. Yeah, there's two up there now. Oh, yeah. That's a youngster on the right because it's got a red cap on the top of its head. Yeah. You can hear them knocking as well. Mm. Pecking. He's just flown over there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. What's that bird up there? Is it a big bird? Ah, oh, oh, it is a buzzard. Yeah. A moments later, we noticed that buzzard, who we thought was disturbed by our presence, just meters away, sagely looking over us without a care in the world. To encounter all this wildlife up close and personal, just a few minutes' walk from a road and busy residential area. Surely this is evidence of animals more confidently and boldly venturing into human-occupied landscapes during the Great Anthropause. Or maybe not. This is more of a local wood, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Tourists tend to stick to the beach and the popular areas. So even in the middle of the summer, you'll have not many out on the trails. So you, you tend to get lots of spaces where there's nobody around. So it seems like on this part of the Isle of Wight, human disturbance of the local wildlife has been at lockdown levels for years. And humans and non-human species have found a way to use the landscape in a manner that's mutually beneficial. However, on the other side of the island, wildlife's reaction to the great anthropause has been much more pronounced. In fact, it's been so unusual that countryside manager Robin Lang decided to document it in his own podcast. Hello, I'm Robin Lang, I'm the Countryside Manager for the National Trust on the Isle of Wight. 
I thought you might like to join me for a short walk at, at Newtown National Nature Reserve. I hope you enjoyed it. It's an amazing place, the Isle of Wight, with a lot of different habitats, but it does have its busy spots. During holiday times, you might have people coming with their mountain bike on the bridleways, people coming with horse trailers and riding their horses, and then families coming for happy family walks. <laughs> Some of them happier than others. People going for picnics, all sorts of things. Places like Motterston Down and, and the Ventnor Downs, people often drive there to walk their dogs. And I don't actually know the numbers exactly, but it must be several hundred per day that can have an effect on, on some of the wildlife that lives there. But with the restrictions on travel for leisure and exercise and all National Trust car parks closing, this was a holiday season like no other. Robin also found himself temporarily with a smaller team. And this gave him the opportunity to tackle tasks that he hadn't done for years. Back to Robin's podcast. I'm at the bottom of, of Moston Down on a hot afternoon doing some fencing repairs. Yep, I think that's deep enough. Yeah, it took me to all sorts of places that I hadn't been to for quite some time. Robin was now a lone human in these wild landscapes and he started to see and hear things that he hadn't seen or heard in such abundance for ages. There were white throats and song thrush, and there was one bird that sounded rather like a demanding customer at the deli counter. And there's a yellow hammer singing nearby from the top of a hawthorn bush. The song is supposed to sound a bit like a little bit of bread and no cheese. Now it's debatable to say that this perceived abundance of wildlife is a direct response to the great anthropause and that wildlife has come to reclaim what was once theirs. It might just be that because it's been quieter and up until recently our only form of exercise has been going out for walks where we're more likely to notice that wildlife. Well, this could be the case, but from what Rob's observed, this could at least be some kind of avian land grab. The skylarks and meadow pipits, they nest on the ground, so they find a tussock of grass to conceal their eggs in. And you can imagine if you've got lots of dogs walking in those areas, the amount of disturbance that those birds get gets to the level where some of them abandon the nests. So without the number of people in some of these places, there were uh, skylarks and meadow pipits spread out much more. And they were spreading out into some very unusual places. One of the Land Rovers hadn't been used for a week or so, and uh, the ranger was cleaning it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you notice there was a great tit nest halfway through being constructed on, on, the, on the chassis. It just goes to show how quickly birds take advantage of something that stood still for a while. And more evidence of the avian land grab can be seen further afield at Corfe Castle in Devon, where birds of prey have been making the ruins of an old castle their home. Here's Tom Clark, Land Outdoors and Nature Engagement Officer on the Purbeck Estate. A pair of peregrines came and, and have actually, over lockdown, created a nest, laid eggs, and then they've been raising their young. And that's the first time since the early 1980s that's 
been the case that young started to fledge they've been bouncing all over the castle they've been very much at home and passing food to each other and making a lot of noise back on the isle of wight robin contemplates the rather more relaxing avian sounds i'm sat on top of the ventnor downs which are on the south side of the isle of wight just above the town of ventnor wonderful blue sky of wispy clouds and uh, it's so quiet up here we can hear the birds enjoying the sunshine there's skylarks singing away in the sky linnets twittering in the bushes and uh, this is actually just a few days before we will be opening our car parks again and on the 13th of may it was the moment of truth so this is the moment that everybody's been waiting for it's now that people can uh, drive to exercise and exercise as many times a day as they like so hopefully everybody will be observant of the uh, social distancing guidance and have a lovely time in the Isle of Wight countryside it was a nerve-wracking time would there be a mad rush to the car park would we see a lack of social distancing and would we be able to keep our staff and volunteers safe on the whole, things ran like clockwork, but there were some places like the Purbeck coastline in South Devon where things were a little bit more lively. Here's Tom Clark again. There were no campsites and there were no festivals. You had whole families pitching up, thinking that um, it was okay to have a campfire on a heathland and put up an eight-man tent. One Saturday, the local fire brigade put out 30 fires and with this number of people, but no shops, no cafes and no toilet facilities, you can probably start to build a picture of what things look like. That lockdown rebound, like the elastic band, you know, as a spring, you've kind of let that go and it kind of boing, everybody did what they wanted for three or four weeks. The situation feels like it's relaxed a bit. But just like the extreme behaviour that accompanied the start of the coronavirus, like the rush on toilet paper and hand sanitizer, after a while, things started to get back to more acceptable levels. For many of us, lockdown may have felt like what's referred to in the animal world as a loss of habitat. And until recently, the skylarks on the Isle of Wight and the peregrines at Corfe Castle had suffered a similar plight having had their access to breeding grounds restricted. And just like the skylarks and peregrines, as soon as lockdown was lifted and we had access to our landscapes again, we made a beeline for them. So now maybe we have a deeper understanding of the impact of habitat loss on wildlife. We've experienced now what it feels like to be confined and to have our movements restricted. And that may nurture some goodwill for trying to make adjustments that allow other species to enjoy the freedoms we've been longing for now over the, the past few months. I think uh, it's been very clear that people during this desperate crisis reconnected with nature. Back at Borthwood Cops, Fiona, Chuck and myself were experiencing that connection to nature firsthand. It's like the trees are giving you a big hug. <laughs> if you feel a bit sort of stressed, you get out of this and you just look around and listen to the birds. Now, we've all probably heard about the benefits that walking and woodland has on our health. 
but it turns out the encounters we have with the inhabitants of these places may also be doing us the world of good. Here's Lindsay Murray, Senior Lecturer in Animal Psychology at the University of Chester. As psychologists, we're learning more and more about just how good for us animals are, you know, taking dogs into old people's homes and hospitals. Pet therapy has been used after surgery to, and it's been shown to sort of reduce the need for patients to have actual drug medication. Now, although the inhabitants of Borthwood Cops are far from lap dogs, as that buzzard that's been watching us all morning graces us with one last flyby, I can't help but be filled with a sense of calm and awe. Did you see that? I Sean? did, yeah. It's quite a sight, isn't it, to see something that big yes. navigating these trees? Yes. Without the great anthropos, many of us wouldn't have connected with nature in the way that we have over the last few months. So now that we know the benefits of connecting with nature and those that we share it with, how do we maintain this connection as we move into the new normal? Whether it's a holiday romance with nature or what have you, connect with nature wherever you are, whenever you are, because we were doing it for seven weeks when we were forced to um, within lockdown, so we can do it. It's important that in this kind of anthropause, as it's been nicely coined, that people will start to be more appreciative, that we'll appreciate our own health more and we'll also appreciate our place in nature a lot more. There is increasing realisation that uh, human well-being depends critically on a healthy environment. So this is not only about species conservation and wildlife conservation. This is, this is also about ensuring that, that we humans stay healthy. We've got a chance now, albeit as a result of immense human suffering from this crisis, but we've got a chance to, to go forward in a greener, wilder, more respectful way. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the National Trust podcast. To make sure you're notified when new episodes are available, subscribe on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts. And for more audio programmes for the National Trust, go to nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts. We'll be back with a new episode soon. So for now, from me, Sean Douglas, goodbye. <laughs>